cliffcentral.com. All right. It is cliffcentral.com on a Thursday morning, which is the best time for you to catch up on all the things that are going on in the news. I am, as always, joined by my co-host for the Burning Platform, Pumi Mashiko. And we've got lots to talk about today, Pums. There are plenty of things in the news. And we'll talk to our guest in a moment, Reno De Beer, who is from the Liberty Fighters Network. I'm excited to talk to him again and find out what their priorities are in 2022. We will also find out about what is going on with that, uh, how much, the 22 million rand flag, which I saw J.J. Tabani talking to Minister Natim Tetwa about yesterday, or someone sent me the clip. I don't even know when he did it. He might have done it on Monday. Uh, did you watch this? I mean, did you see Natim Tetwa's answer? Is like, well, no, the reason that we are, it's going to cost 22 million is because we've brought in the steel industry. And they're building the, the, you know, the, the construction. So JJ system, you mean the pole? He's like, yeah, uh, but it's very important for the steel industry. So people are like, well, you're, you're on mute, Pums. Um, you, you want to build this thing and the steel industry want to be involved, but surely if the steel industry want to be involved, they would be paying for it themselves. Alas, it's 22 million rand for a flag. This is important. Yes, yeah. Listen, it, it, the, the, the issue of the flag is is going to go on for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that this thing was sewn up a year ago already. Sewn up so literally. This, <laughs> this discussion is just yet one more distraction that's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. Yesterday, the thing I was wondering about, because a lot of people, I mean, the flag has been trending and a lot of people have been tagging at presidency. You know, mm-hmm. Cyril has that. So, and yesterday I was wondering if whoever is monitoring that that Twitter handle, yeah. do they go back? Do, do they have like a, a, a weekly session where they say, you know, Mr. President, these are the things that people are tweeting about or daily or whatever the, the frequency is. Is there someone monitoring that thing? And does he care? No, I don't think he does. There was a picture on social media yesterday of him in a, in a store buying balloons or something. Um, in a tracks no. in a tracksuit, and I'm and there's a woman. No. no, no, there's a woman taking a picture of like Cyril in a tracksuit in the store buying balloons. No. And I'm like, if this happened, no. if this happened on a weekday where he's meant to be presidenting, I'm going to be annoyed because he's on our dime while he's out there during Say the week. Say it isn't so. I promise you, I'll try and find the picture. It's outrageous. Um, so the presidency is not a weekday nine to five job. Clearly not. It's twenty four seven. 24-7 kind of job. Well, clearly it's actually. neither. Clearly it's neither of those because he has time to go and buy balloons and mess around with, uh, you know, while the, while the country really does require some serious leadership. But uh, we've been down this road before, haven't we, Pumi? Mm-hmm. That's not But I, I think, look, and, and it's been, for me, it's also been quite fascinating to watch as the conversation is unfolding. You know, obviously Twitter is not everybody. No. But it's it's interesting to see how there are people who can justify this in oh, yeah. their minds. Oh, yeah. But I'm also always fascinated to see how as South Africans, we have, it seems like we don't have a, a, a capacity for complexity or the appreciation <laughs> of the complexity <laughs> of, of all of the things that are happening without. Oh, everything God. around us seems to be binary. It's either this or that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not 
having the, the full breadth of all the conversations that we should be having and all of the various implications. Mm-hmm. And we, it's, it's either this or it's that. But not everything is binary. Uh, no, but we, as you say, we don't seem to have the capacity for anything but that binary. Well, on that note, let's uh, get Reno De Beer on. We last spoke to Reno in 2020 with the beginning of the lockdown, and um, he was, uh, as as many of us were, I think a lot of us who, who, you know, at that point thought that maybe the lockdowns were a terrible idea. Reno had uh, some very strong views at that point. It was the last time we had him on my TV show as well. Um, and they're a group that is working to achieve the total liberation of South Africa, the peoples of which are still struggling for their dignity and genuine independence. So, I mean, it sounds like a big claim. But, Reno, just nice to see you, by the way. Um, remind us who the Liberty Fighters Network are, because it's been a long time since we spoke to you. Uh, thank you, Gareth, uh, for inviting me back. Um, Liberty Fighters Network is a voluntary association, not for gain. Um, we're targeting... Um, civil or we, we promoting civil liberties. Uh, we would like to transform the, um, the total legal system of South Africa or would like to participate in that, in other words. And, um, generally we, we watching the news, um, or the re- relevant news, um, and see where we can make a difference in general. So, um, we've been uh, challenging the national state of disaster relating to COVID-19 since the very beginning in May 2020. Yes, uh, We've been through the entire court process uh, from the High Court to the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal to the Constitutional Court. And uh, subsequently, we've, uh, during October last year, 2021, we've in fact escalated a complaint relating to that, to the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. So we've taken it internationally. So the African Union is currently investigating the matter and considering it. And well, um, there's, there's quite a lot of water uh, that um, have uh, flown into the sea since we've last spoken. I think it was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, thank you very much for inviting us again to well, to inform the general public of what is happening. I mean, Reno, you know, some people would say that your your manifesto that you just gave us a brief glimpse at, it sounds quite radical. I mean, to... Uh, liberate South Africa and Africa to overhaul the legal system. I mean, this is, this is fighting talk. This, this is not like, you know, we just want to moderately do this or civil liberty that or what you're saying is quite, mm. it's quite radical. Uh, is that the response you get from people when you say this or do they just not believe you? No. In general, obviously, we, we've got quite a lot of supporters, uh, that's following us constantly and, um, all of them are on the same page. And, um, it's not radical in the sense of we've, we've seen through the national state of disaster of COVID-19 that, um, our constitution is not protecting the man in the street as mm. it's supposed to. And uh, there's a specific uh, section, section 36, the so-called limitation clause Mm. um, that has become outrageous um, in, in, and our courts have suddenly taken a stance of rather becoming an extension of government rather than looking after the people. 
And we've, uh, because Liberty Fighters Network uh, were very radical in the sense that we were different than all the other challenges, the, um, all the other challenges uh, utilized legal practitioners to assist them. And I was actually the one who was arguing our case all along. Uh, in person, and I'm not uh, not a legal practitioner. Yeah. So that has resulted in the fact that that a lot of of uh, loopholes uh, were identified in our legal system. Yes. Uh, we we can say for sure now that that the people who are supposed to be protected by the constitution can't access the system if they don't have the luxury of affording an expensive legal team. Yeah. And that's that true. is that's where we true. want to make a difference. All right. So, yes. so Reina, I know Pumi's got lots and lots of questions here, but I, I do want to just establish who the Liberty Fighters Network are, which you've largely explained to us now. Um, where do you guys manage to get funding? Because all of this takes time and effort and energy, and you're up mm-hmm. against some very crooked people sometimes who just seem to have unlimited resources. Um, are you, are you taking donations from the public? Um, you say you're a non-profit organization, but how does that, who's accountable for that, that money that does come in or the money that's spent? And, and who exactly is the enemy in these situations? I mean, with respect to COVID-19, I'm, I'm largely on your side about how the state of disaster has gone on for far too long. It seems to be an excuse for a lot of uh, really bad government behavior. We didn't know at the time that you started arguing these things that there was PPE <clears throat> Uh, being stolen to the tune of hundreds of millions of rands. We didn't know Zuelim Kiza's hand was in the pot. We didn't know a lot of these things. Um, so obviously you've been proven right just by making a rough estimate about how you know the ANC's behaved in the past and how they'll continue to behave in the future. But tell us a little bit about your own structures and how that works. It, it, does it mean you grabbing your bag in the morning and having to go and argue with people in court? Does it mean you go and protest outside the union buildings? How does it actually work? We're working mostly on volunteers, and our system is basically. I've I've been uh, the or I'm the founder of the organisation. We've established Liberty Fighters Network sometime in 2016 already, mm-hmm. and we obviously have our executive system, and uh, many of the people do it uh, voluntarily, obviously. Um, they uh, give their own time. We don't have private funders. Uh, we don't have a, a large blue chip company who's putting in a hundred thousand grand or something um, to to fund our operations. Mostly our, our overheads are not that expensive because of the fact that we Volunteers. are doing everything internally. Mm. And most of the cases are handled by myself. Um, I've been in in the uh, activism industry, if one can <laughs> mention that, mm. uh, for the past, uh, since 1994 already. So I've, I've learned quite a lot of how to assist people legally. And uh, even though I am not a qualified legal practitioner, mm-hmm. um, I've, we've, we've got our experts, um, that 
is volunteering, obviously, to assist people, especially with uh, with banking issues, uh, securitization problems. Right. Um, we also, but most of our income, or all of it, is funded by by just the general public who's donating a hundred rand and a fifty rand. So okay. we don't have an excessive budget to to fund us at all. Well, uh, Pums, do, do you want to start off maybe with, um, I mean, I, I could throw something yeah, in well, here. I, Just ask about the, the, the actual yeah, challenge. Because, yeah, go ahead, Pums. Well, well, well but, and this is a general question around liberty fighters because you talk about justice and access. Mm -hmm. And we know mm -hmm. that one of the biggest problems we have in, our, in South Africa is our justice system is convoluted, it is long, it has many processes and a lot of of people in South Africa have um, low literacy, low education, definitely low funds. And so justice is denied them a lot of the time, not because uh, they don't want it, simply because they cannot access it. And you talk about kind of the legal system being, and the players, the practitioners, the lawyers, being the problem in the system. Is, is that your... Is that your enemy? Is that who you're fighting? Is that what um, you're trying to break? I don't think there's enemies as such in the system. I think that we as people of South Africa and, and, and our courts have totally forgotten that the courts are the courts of the people. Um, they are serving or they are supposed to serve the people of South Africa. And they are not simply doing it. For example, um, when one goes to the Equality Court, the Equality Court is supposed to be the busiest courts in South Africa. It has been streamlined or designed in a way to be accessible to anyone without having um, or without being represented by legal representatives. They can access it themselves. But the, the government does not give that information to the people. Uh, we are, for example, of the, um, of the view that um, one is actually supposed to, to learn basic law on school level, hmm. especially matriculants. When they go into the, to the world after they've matriculated, they don't know anything about the law and they are faced directly with the law each and every day. Yeah. For example, labor relations. They don't know anything how to protect their labor, labor, um, uh, labor rights. Um, they don't know when they go and, and rent a, a flat for the first time, what their rights are as a, as a tenant, um, it's, et etc. et cetera. So basic law should be introduced instead of looking after uh, how to have sex, for example, at school, rather <laughs> give, empower our, our youth um, to, to, um, to be legally trained, basically. But for the past, since 1994, that basic right has been, declined by this government of ours. Um, and we believe that when you look at, for example, all the departments all over South Africa uh, in, in government, they are the director generals or the heads of those departments are all legal practitioners or 99% of them are. 
So they are, they are legally trained. They know what they are doing, but they want to keep their the wisdom for themselves. The director generals. Yes. <laughs> they, they are legal practitioners. They are the heads. Of, and, and most of them are all legally trained. They advocates and, and retired or um, uh, non-practicing attorneys, uh, most so, of them, and, so and, to, and they're so, not sharing their work. So to go back to Pumi's question then, I mean, is the law profession itself part of the problem here? Because law, look, people go to university to study law because they, they know there's going to be work for them. I mean, we have we have way too many lawyers, if you ask me. I studied law myself. And there's, it's not like, it's not like a cabal. You don't get in, inducted into the secret society. But I do agree with you that there is, there's a requirement on the average. You do. It's called the bar. Well, yes. Okay. Yeah. You could, you could, you could argue that. I never got that far. But you could, you could also argue that things have become because people don't follow the rules and we don't have a good executive to implement and execute the law, that people have started to play with it. And that's exactly where the lawyers find their work, is where people, where the areas of law are gray or where someone might have or might not have broken the law. That's our own fault. We're, we're not a very disciplined people in South Africa. And we've, we've got undisciplined people at the top in politics, but we've also got undisciplined people in business. We've got people who don't drive according to the rules of the road. I'm one of them. Um, you, you know, there are lots of people who break the rules, and that's where lawyers get their work. Which, well, my, my second question then is, Reno, is should your part of your fight then be around educating people? You know, because it's, mm. it's not in the interest of the government for people mm. to know these things. Of course. But it is actually in all our interest and to all our benefits if more people understood how the law works and how the law is supposed to protect them and more importantly the constitution what rights they have and what responsibilities they have as citizens uh, that's indeed so uh, Bumi. Um, we've been tackling um, workshops uh, to empower people specifically surrounding basic laws. Uh, we've um, Liberty Fighters Network has actually been born out of the um, landlord tenant industry. Hmm. Um, so we've been involved in various or opposing various eviction application against occupiers. Um, that is where we've made our name from the very beginning, uh, to go out and assist people who really don't know the law. And then we come in and when they are faced with evictions, we come in and assist them one-to-one. Um, -one. But the, the fact is that, yes, we believe the law profession is the problem. Um, they are not our enemy. Uh, I think over the years, and, and, and when, we, when one looks at the history of, of the bar, for example, where they come from, it's a, it's a, it's a very religious type of organization at the end of the day. <laughs> They're very brotherly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fraternity. It's a fraternity. Mm. And, and, and the problem is that when, when a matriculant or a once, to go and study law, he this he wants to do that because he wants to protect um, our constitution, and it's it's very noble the idea why he or she would like to go and study law. But the moment after 
that student have graduated and become a candidate attorney and become um, uh, involved in the legal fraternity, they suddenly realize that their dream of being this noble constitutional fighter um, is down the dumps because there's a certain practice that is being followed within the legal fraternity and they, 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 uh, they literally have a hierarchy of um, this one is, is more senior than the other yeah. one. That is where the yeah. senior counsel, for example, comes from. So, and we've seen it now. Uh, so sorry, Gather. But during our course of our court um, challenge of the uh, national disaster, um, we've seen and we've personally experienced it that uh, a senior counsel has got such a power over a court that even the judges basically receive instructions from them to do a certain way or to rule in a certain way. Um, so we really have a, a um, reformation needed in South Africa this of is, our legal system and not only a transformation. Sure. I mean, this, this is going to sound slightly conspiratorial to a lot of people. You understand that, Reyna. I mean, it's bound to ruffle a few feathers, not only in the legal profession, but because that's just how things have worked and people are really resistant to change. I just want to point out what Rusty says here. He says, that was a big red pull for me. When I realized I could represent myself in court, as opposed to being told that you have to have counsel, Reno is incredible. I mean, this is a this is a fact. Our, our legal system was not built with the intention that it should be so difficult for ordinary people to have their day in court if they've got an issue of a civil or a criminal matter. But most of us are terrified of representing ourselves, and the lawyers themselves always say only a fool has themselves for a client. But in your case, I mean, how have mm. these challenges in particular gone? And I don't want to spend the whole hour talking just about what you guys do at Liberty Fighters Network, though it is important. But how did these challenges go against government with regard to the state of disaster? Because it should have been over months ago. Why is it still going on? And, and what did you argue and how did that go for you in court? Well, when um, when we last came to your show, uh, Gareth, we did say that we are sure of the fact that the court order that we've got on the 2nd of June 2020 uh, came fully operational on the 24th of June 2020, meaning that um, the total disaster management act regulations were null and void since that that date. And we've um, founded our argument in that respect on an old, um, uh, I think it was a 2007 constitutional court case. It's called the New Clicks case, whereby the constitutional court said and stipulated that when, a when um, the court uh, declares regulations as unconstitutional and invalid, the, the the time period given, which was um, 20 days, I believe, in, in, in our respect, uh, I can't remember, sorry, it was quite a long time mm. ago, but um, that period is not, um, not stopped when appeal process starts. Um, the court which granted the order was supposed to be um, amending or, or um, uh, extending that period on its own by application uh, of, of, of the government. 
which was never done. So hence we said that from the 24th of June, uh, because of the fact, irrespective of the fact that the government appealed the process or, or the order, um, it came into operation. Um, numerous of, of uh, legal experts agreed with us. Mm. Um, some of them are even professors at universities, but they didn't want to give their names for obvious reasons. <clears throat> and um, so when we eventually got to the Supreme Court of Appeal, which was an extremely controversial hearing, mm. um, eventually the, uh, the, the, the um, Supreme Court of Appeal did not mention the new kicks case that we've argued anywhere. They've totally sidelined it and did not even say one thing about it. Do you think and they've just simply dismissed? Do you think that was the, that? The, the, do you think the, that was a, a deliberate oversight, or do you think that was just a mistake? Um, it could not have been a mistake. We we believe, and people can call us. COVID-19 denialists as the Supreme Court of Appeal have doubted us. But the fact of the matter is that no legal expert, and especially when you look at um, some of those Supreme Court of Appeal judges who sat on that matter on the bench, um, how they totally changed previous judgment they themselves made, not, not, not um, uh, a year or two before. Mm. Um, they've totally changed it over. And why would they have had that opinion two years ago and suddenly now have something totally different? And then there was also a very controversial accusation laid against me in person by the Supreme Court of Appeal, where I was afterwards accused of contempt of court <laughs> um, for uh, an alleged accusation that I've made um, and uh, very strange about that for example is that in the very judgment that was uh, handed down on the 2nd of July um, the court said or the Supreme Court of Appeal for example said that that um, Justice Davis um, overstretched his powers by having um, attended to the then level three regulations which were not in force on the day or b uh, by the time when our hearing was heard on the 28th of May 2020. So they themselves said that you cannot judge something that was not before court and very interestingly, hypocritically, the Supreme Court of Appeal in fact judged me in the very judgment about something that happened after the 26th of May when the matter was heard before them. So they have, have over, overreached their own powers as well by having done right. that. So our, uh, And when we've eventually escalated the, the, the issue to the Constitutional Court, mm. we've set traps in our papers um, to, to ensure that um, that our case must be ready. And Does, the fact that, that the Constitutional Court dismissed our subsequent leave to appeal application there indicates that they have not even read our papers because if they had, they would have seen what we've put in there 
and uh, they did not do that. All right. So is the um, flaw then not also the humans in the system? You know, because there's an expectation that the judge has got to read and understand and agree or be persuaded to agree with mm-hmm. a particular point of view. And the flaw in the system is that these individuals are also humans with their own ideas and feelings and 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 that's what they bring to bear. It's not just about the the legal frameworks. It's not always just about the legal benchmarks. Sometimes what also comes into play is the feelings yeah. of the human. Oh, definitely, Dumi. Um, you, you, Bumi, sorry. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, so, so, sorry. It's all right. It happens. <laughs> um, uh, Bumi, yes. Um, th- uh, that is a major issue, the people, because we are also saying that we don't believe, and, and this is our right, constitutional right to believe that. We don't believe that a judge can become a judge if he or she cannot be compromised in one or other way. Um, the reason for that is that judges are working with security issues, countrywide security issues. So at some stages, they are obliged by their office to mm. do something sometimes which they themselves don't like, but they are obliged to keep peace. They must order or rule in a certain way. That is what we believe have happened in our matter when we've challenged the national state of disaster. Uh, I, I truly believe that the judges were put on, 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 on in a position whereby they said, you know what, in law, your arguments might have been right, but unfortunately, we need to follow a COVID-19 international narrative for some or other reason. We still don't know what it is. We hope that it is, is to uh, protect our lives. Um, and at the end of the day, um, the problem is that when those judgments come uh, comes out, in future, when you're not in that security position anymore, those ju- uh, judgments are valid to influence future judgments. So, and that so, is well, a major issue. Yeah, I, I, I just, I would, sorry. I want to move to something else, Gareth. Mm. I, I really want to move to something else. And I think this is a, a perfect place to move to that because it's also what we are seeing with Jacob Zuma and his multiple kind of appeals and Challenges, yeah. dismissals and, 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 and what we as the public are looking at and saying, she's this guy, you know, he just doesn't want to have his day in court. But the reality of it is that for the judge, and this is what Judge Kuhn said on Tuesday, is that he has to, in order for justice to properly be served, he has to be allowed in front of, in front of, of his peers, as it were, but also the legal uh, leeway to appeal where he wants to appeal and to to stand up and say yes this is wrong that I can't do until he has exhausted that entire process and it has been followed within a process and a framework if that is rushed through no matter what you and I believe no matter what the, the majority of the country believes yeah. in order for there to be some semblance of law and order this has to be a process that is followed through to the, the nth degree. You know, right. I think that you're you you hundred percent correct. 
Um, but at the end of the day, we we have a major issue again with our constitution. L- l- let me just say this. I've mentioned the problem with Section 36 of our constitution already. And um, then there's another problem with our constitution, Section 173, which basically says that the courts or the high courts may regulate their own processes. And they interpret it as that they are allowed by law to to change the 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 the, the law as well. Um, and, and that is the major issue that we have seen that the courts have become in the one instance they are supposed to protect the constitution and they need to serve the people. But on the other hand, they literally um, have this, uh, the, the, this method of uh, totally um, ignoring laws as well and procedures. Um, the issue surrounding Mr. Jacob Zuma is very controversial, and we will have a whole week to talk about it. And that was the problem in the Constitutional Court when he was uh, he was sent to jail. Mm. Um, he did not have his day in court. Yep. Um, he was literally, if if the National Prosecuting Authority would have, as they are going to do with me now, after the Supreme Court of Appeal have, uh, have, have subsequently reported me to the National Prosecuting Authority and that that criminal case against me for contempt of court would start any any day. Um, he had the right to go through the same process as I am going to go right. through. Um, there's, a, there's a trial process. You've got the right but, to call evidence or and uh, or submit evidence and call... Uh, well, well, I call, think, um, uh, I think yeah. Pumi, sorry to interrupt you, Reina, but, I, but I, I, there are a couple of things I want your opinion on too, and, and Pumi's. Um, I think there's also an, an interesting thing here. The public, the way we ordinary people, and even though you're not a lawyer either, I mean, you, you, you quote sections of the Constitution like you've been practicing law for years. Um, it's funny that the ordinary people look at the Jacob Zuma case and they, they don't see a citizen exhausting all their legal options. What they see is someone who's trying to largely depends. I mean, there are some Zuma supporters who do see it that way. But most people in this country see it as someone trying to sidestep the law and someone abusing the legal process in order to get themselves exonerated or at least to delay things forever. Um, but let's, let's just look at, at a couple of other things that are going on at the moment. I want to ask you guys about this. Um, it's a, a headline I saw in News 24 yesterday. They say 3,570 prisoners have escaped in the last five years from our prisons. That's what Becky Trele announced in a question that was asked in Parliament by the DA. That's a lot of people, 3,570 prisoners in the last five years. They are out among us. I mean, many of them may be in politics, for all we know. This shows you that even when the legal system works and someone is sentenced, I mean, 3,570 people escaping from prison in the last five years is a lot. Isn't it? That is totally that is totally ridiculous. Yes, um, the problem is that that we've got so many uh, the, uh, ministries at this stage. <laughs> now, for example, 
The Minister of Justice is also supposed to be the Minister of Correctional Services, yes. but he is also handling the Department of of um, of Constitutional uh, 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 Development as well, mm. and. Um, but that is not part of his his his, his, his naming, and um, so I honestly don't know whether the ministers, in fact, know what duties they have um, because of all these, and how they are supposed to actually link into one another to. Uh, to, to, to reach a certain goal at the end of the day. Um, the police used to look after, or there used to be a separate minister for, con uh, for, for, for correctional services yes. for many years. And for some reason, it was just joined. We still don't know why it was joined with the Department of Justice because justice in itself is supposed to be a separate ministry as well. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> From the, so top, so from, so from, the, from the top, it's, it's a, don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, what you're but saying also, is, yeah, go ahead, Pumps. We spoke, we, earlier we were speaking about this, where what we don't seem to understand, and definitely government doesn't understand, is how complex the system is. There are so many interdependencies and such complexity within the system. And one, one cog absolutely turns another you mm -hmm. know and and one of the things that we we see the collapse so we see um it's like little fires everywhere right is in one department there's a particular implosion and a collapse and it's not immediately clear how that impacts another one and a different one because what what you're talking about when you talk about these prisoners that escaped it there, there are a couple of things there Right, there are way too many and too long a waiting period from when a person is is charged and arrested and when they eventually show up to court. Yeah. It's we see it in in the number of a waiting trial prisoner, Oof. right? Then there is a total collapse in terms of what happens when those people are in the remand of the state and how they are then kept overcrowded prisons then it is the showing up to court and the npa showing up on the day and having all of the files and the police showing mm -hmm. up with it all of those things are an intricate system that has interdependencies and they everyone's working in a silo and then there's the issue of begitele's ministry and his utter incompetence yeah and the fact that there is such lawlessness and there is no policing in order for a state and for the justice system to function really the the police are an integral part of keeping that peace right they're an integral part of keeping that peace because there has got to be a level of fear that the police are the the violence that the state can exert on people in order to keep them in line Spot on. Uh, and, and as Reno says, it's from the top, because if we don't even have the structures in place, and we don't know how the system is meant to work. And really, the, the it seems that the president of the country really just uses cabinet positions as a way to placate people inside the ANC and to give them sheltered employment. It's not really about com committing themselves to executing the functions of those particular departments. And as Pumi says, these these have very separate responsibilities and they need to be delineated i don't know that anyone at the moment is is even paying attention to these things but when we've got 
an extra 3,500-odd people running around who have been sentenced, probably for some quite terrible things in some of those cases. Um, that doesn't make South Africa a better place for any of us. Um, and I thought it was an interesting story because it just kind of you know, went under the radar. South Africa gets upset about a 22 million rand flag. But what do we think about Naledi Pandor giving some 50 million to Cuba? What do we think of that? Why is there no outrage about that by comparison with the flag, which is half the money, and it's something we at least get to keep? The other 50 million is going to Cuba. What do we, what do we say about that? <laughs> well, if I can make a, uh, give my two cents on that, is that the problem is that South Africans have become used to chaos. And the moment when anyone... Um, who decides that, no, this cannot go on any longer, starts to oppose that, they are then at the end of the day seen as the disturbers of peace. Yes. Um, so we we have a total, our, um, our traditions in our families and in our cultures have disappeared. Um, we, we uh, for example, um, you know, um, Take apartheid as the as the worst system ever possibly, um, but the reality is that when we look at how the apartheid government used to function, when there was a minister, um, that minister or minister of, of of health, that minister was a doctor. When you had a minister of justice, that minister was actually supposed to be a um, a, a, a legal practitioner. Uh, when we had, for example, a minister of police, that minister used to be a police officer himself. Well, in, and in now we look at right it in, in, in some, in some, not all cases. But, but I think you know, the minute you we take the worst system and we compare it to the best, we're not really saying much about ourselves, are we? <laughs> we we not, but the fact of the matter is that that when um, I, I'm just of the view, and and this is my my freedom of opinion, that um, when the apartheid citizens decided to get rid of apartheid, hmm. we all thought that that we're going to keep the system that's there, but include all others in that system right. that relatively worked. But when we came in, in the new demo, uh, democratic South Africa, everything changed. For example, the police force, um, they got rid of the narcotics bureau, they yep. got rid of the child protection unit, they got rid of um, 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 uh, um, a murder and robbery squad. Mm. All those expert units have been disbanded by the new government. And now today we've got a major problem with with uh, uh, child and human trafficking. We've got a major problem with drugs. Okay, we've got a, a what, how does this how, how does this relate? How does this relate to my question around the money that's gone to Cuba? Because Carl says here, I don't know if this is right. He says it's not fifty million; it's three hundred and fifty million, and it just came out this week. So my question isn't even about the government. We know they're going to spend money on the wrong things. My question to you and Pumi Reno is. Why is it that South Africans, us, we've got to take some responsibility for this. We're outraged by the 22 million rand flag, but you don't see nearly as much outrage about the money that's going to Cuba. Why is that? And, and why is it that we put people in jail 
on, on a similar kind of um, by by metaphorical comparison, we'll put someone in jail for you know stealing uh, from shop for shoplifting from clicks, but we won't uh, go after the person who's pilfered 150 million from the state coffers. Why do we choose to get upset by certain things and not others? Gareth, as I've said, that that our society has become used to chaos. Mm. Um, we we know that that our whole system is not functioning. And um, Gaspar de Vries once said that um, you cannot make a joke out of a positive thing. Um, <laughs> that is why our our people are such humorous people. Uh, we're always laughing, and um, or most of us, at least. Yeah, we are. Um, I think and, that's fair. And, and and because it's a joke, yeah. and um, and you cannot you, you cannot make a joke out of a positive thing, actually. And um, so, when we all sit in this position, like for example, let's let's we've spoken about uh, Mr. Jacob Zuma. Um, when he made the change um, to appoint Mr. Van Rooyen as the finance new finance minister, minister mm-hmm. and that was the, the pivotal point when everything went haywire for him as well. Right. Um, but people have, at that point, they have forgotten that Proven Gordon was the most evil person, according <laughs> to, to news at that stage. Um, but... He was the fact that that Jacob Zuma did that became the more comfortable position for us to say that oh now we don't hate Proven Gordon anymore yeah. now we we hate Jacob Zuma and that was the downhill for him after that and that is how we we just as a society operates we we like to have sensation we would like to rather implode a story yeah. about a student in, in Cape Town who was racist, but we forget about the situation of the fellows. When you go to a retailer, you don't see racism. No, no. We lo- I, we, I just want to know. We're getting a little lost here. Can I just mm-hmm. point out? I think that's. Gareth, can I say? Of course, Pums. Yeah, go can ahead. I I'll, I'll, I'll bring in afterwards. You know, the, the thing about the the money going to Cuba or the money that has gone to Cuba mm. and the loans and the donations and the, all of this. And, mm. and why, one of the reasons why South Africa has these outbursts or South Africans have this, these outbursts of, of outrage mm. is also, a, 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 you know, it's, it's also a function of information leaks as it were. It right. is simply what is available to the people at the time that is it is available. I said to you earlier that I think a lot of it is distractions, right? So mm. when we we talk about the and and this this unfortunately is also what happens in the information age that we are in. Pieces of information are revealed to people as and when and in a point of view that is made to skew how people feel and and understand right so the the i think it was who, who is so Carl, Carl Dos Santos mm. is the one talking about that it's actually not 50 million but mm. 350 and how it came out this week right yes. so in in actual fact this is information and news that has been coming out in drips and drabs over the past couple of months whether it is the deputy minister of Durko talking about 
and it, this money was also, you know, given in tranches starting in 2018 was money that was loaned to Cuba. And this week when um, the, the deputy minister in the plenary session came out to say, yeah, the first tranche, which was, I think, 147 million, which was made available to Cuba in 2018, has been paid back by Cuba with interest, right? So then you're just like, oh, so there was a loan in 2018 and, and they've paid it back. The second charge, which was, I think, another 83 million was had made, made available, mm-hmm. just as when the bank says to you, we're making this money available to you in 2021 and that they, that Cuba has started repaying. When you hear that and you hear it, you know, so then it happens in a plenary session in some side office. Yeah. In Parliament. Yep. And nobody nobody says anything about it. It just passes like a fart in the night. And then <laughs> six months down the line, you know, the, the DA issues a statement that says, Oh, we've just discovered yeah. that this yeah, thing yeah. happened. No, I think that's a that's a that's kind of where I was headed. I didn't have the full answer. We're manufacturing myself. this we, outrage. It's the same we, as the twenty two million Rand flag. And right? we so and we are in, we're being manipulated by the media largely. Well, not just the media. It's not just the media. It because again, this this is information that is circulating in Parliament. These mm. questions are being asked by various people, various parties who are all there in Parliament, right? And and as and when they need to to manufacture this kind of outrage or they need to win points, then this information is suddenly like widely available. And then because we we've juniorized, I think the newsrooms are so juniorized and they're all chasing the kind of breaking a new story that there is not enough time spent on the research that says, okay, so if the DA sends out a press release that says they have discovered that this amount of money has been given to Cuba, right. has this amount of money been given? How did the DA discover this? At which point was that, you know, there are so many <laughs> questions that point. need to be asked that suddenly... Yeah. Make a story a non-story. I you want to say uh, something? Bumi, yes. Um, this this actually reminds me, Bumi, you on the dot. Because um, when, when in the national state of disaster for COVID-19 was um, declared on the 15th of March 2020, all 14 political Political parties in government agreed mm-hmm. that it had to have happened. And subsequently, for example, the Freedom Front Plus had a court case, a review application to court, where they requested the evidence surrounding the declaration of the national state of disaster from government. And we then said, but why are you asking that information? Because that very information should have been with you when you agreed that government had to declare a national yep. state of disaster. Right. So where were you yeah. during that decision? That is the problem. If we would like to do something about what is currently happening, we must stop blaming the ANC. We must blame all 14 political parties currently in government because all of them have failed us up to this right. point. We're being played. We basically need a new boom and to sweep everything clean. <laughs> we are so blamed. 
Yeah. And and I will if they have agreed on the 15th of March 2020 to the national state of disaster and afterwards all of the suddenly started to say that no, we a national state of disaster uplifted you at uh, the very first instance. Yeah, no, they've, they've wasted their own opportunity um, here. I, I just want to stop so you both. Yes. I want to go back to something you said. We, we, you, we you definitely said just played money is being involved. Yeah. Um, Reino, I, I just want to refer to something you said earlier about like the whole Jacob Zuma era and that Des Van Rooyen episode and how deftly Pravin Gordon managed to step out of the way despite having no constituency of his own. I mean, if he had to stand for election, I don't think he'd get more than 20 votes from people. But he's been a part of virtually every administration since I think Thabo Mbeki took over. And and he's managed to never get the blame. In fact, he gets quite a lot of shine from people because he ran SARS well. And, you know, he seems to be an efficient administrator. And certainly he's a capable person who gets things done. But he may have worse policies and worse ideas in mind than Jacob Zuma did. And we turn all our ire against Jacob Zuma. Again, for me, it's a kind of manipulation and we're being played. Sometimes we don't even see the wood for the trees. I'm asking these questions not because I don't want you know to talk about other things, but because I think this is something we can look at ourselves for. We can start to be better at this than, than the people who've been played in every occasion that you two have mentioned. If there is anything that we should be doing is we, we should spend a little bit more time remembering the things <laughs> that are out there. One of the things that South Africans have, a, I think we all fall into this trap every now and again, is we have a very short memory. We talk about Pravin Gordon and how long he's been mm. in politics, you know, and how long he's been in every administration. And what is it that he has done? Because we've got such a short memory or attention span. I don't know if it's memory or attention span because there's always so much chaos happening around us all the time. Is we, we tend to fall into these traps of things happening in spurts, yeah. right? So right now we're all outraged at, you know, Zwelin Kize, you know, with, with outraged at Zwelin Kize and his child's goat's Louis Vuitton scarf. <laughs> but, but, but nobody kind of looks at the big picture that says, yeah, but this guy, even when he was the treasury gen treasurer general of the party, the finances of the party would, so he couldn't look after just the party. Right. Right. We're so outraged today because of a flag. And we have forgotten that, oh my God, not so long ago, there were, issues around statues and all of that. We get so outraged about money going to Cuba and it's all in spurts because we are not looking at the whole picture and nor are we looking at the yeah. whole picture over a period of time. We keep telling ourselves that the problem is Jacob Zuma. The problem is Tabumbeki. The problem is Ace Makashule. Yeah. The news is the problem is the party. Is everybody mm -hmm. in the party, right? Is it parliament? Reno, you talk about the fact that everybody votes on this thing, right? The problem is not just the ANC. The problem is that we have got people in parliament who are supposed to be holding the ANC to account, but when it suits them, when it suits them, they sit on the same side of the bench as the ANC. So the problem is the system and the people in the system, and that's what we have to look at in the long term.
not just for the, the issue of the day. I think that's a great place to end the discussion. I do want to give um, Reina a chance just quickly to mention how people can get in touch with the Liberty Fighters Network, how they might want to be able to, uh, you know, make a, make, volunteer themselves, perhaps make a donation, because uh, they seem to be doing work on behalf of the, of the people. And certainly we need more civil society initiatives like that. Reino, do you want to go ahead and just give people the details? Mm. Can you can you hear and see us, Reino? Yo, the internet today has been mm. messing us up left, right, and center. All right, let me see. Now Reno's going to miss his big ad opportunity. This is like okay. the ad break, Reno. Well, I'll give you the details uh, since Reno's internet is frozen there. Sorry about that. Libertyfighters.co.za. That's one word. Libertyfighters.co.za. You can get hold of Reno and his team. No, man. Liberty, is it Liberty Fighters? Not Liberty Fighters Network. Oh, Liberty Fighters. Libertyfighters.co.za. Yeah. And okay. you, can, you can find out more about what they do there. They're also fighting against new health regulations, which they say are contestable before court. They continue to fight at the AU, as he already mentioned. And if you're interested in what they do, you can find out more from Reno and his team, libertyfighters.co.za. And to everybody who's been part of the conversation this morning on the Burning Platform, awesome. Thank you. We will see you next week for more of this. Have a very good Thursday. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Happy Thursday.